Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining me today in this podcast. Let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by audible.com. Get your free audiobook and a free 30-day trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash James Miller Lifeology. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you realize the importance of self-reflection. I'll also be interviewing inspirational author Marnie Grundman, who shares her story of overcoming homelessness as a 13-year-old girl and how she inspires people today to overcome and heal from what they've experienced in their past. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but many of you do not know me as a composer. My latest album, Restoration, was just released. Restoration is a continuation of the first album, Consolation. I like to think of these albums like books. Each original composition is written like a chapter in a book. And like in any story, the character goes from a sense of grief and loss, and at the end of Consolation finds hope for his future. In Restoration, he has an awakening. And in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which are not healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, becoming greater than he was before. You may purchase this album on iTunes or any other digital music store. The name of the album is Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you are currently hearing is entitled Introspection. Two students were asked to meet their teacher at the start of a track through the forest. He gave them instructions to follow the path to its conclusion in preparation for a test later that week. The path had two sides. One side was clear and smooth. The other side had fallen logs and other obstacles in the way. One of the students chose to avoid the obstacles, running around them and taking the easiest path to the end. He felt clever as he dodged through without any struggle. The second student chose to tackle the obstacles, battling through every challenge in his path. The student who chose the easy path finished first and felt proud of himself. I'm glad that I chose to avoid the boulders and logs. They were only there to slow me down, he thought to himself. The second student arrived at the finish feeling tired and regretting the path he had chosen. The teacher nodded and smiled at them both. He requested that they join him at a specific location the next day. When they arrived, they could see that there was a ravine that was a couple yards wide. The students looked at their teacher and he said just one word, jump. The first student looked at the distance and his heart sank. The teacher looked at him and said, what's wrong? This is a leap of greatness. Everything that you've done until now should have prepared you for this moment. The student hung his head and walked away, knowing that he hadn't had any previous experience with overcoming hurdles. The second student looked at the teacher and smiled nervously. He stopped and thought about all the difficult obstacles he had just overcome on his journey. He knew now that the obstacles that had been placed in his path were part of his preparation to jump the ravine. He knew that by choosing to overcome challenges, not avoid them, he was ready to make the leap. He realized this ravine wasn't nearly as difficult as he initially thought, once he thought of the previous obstacles he had overcome. He measured his run, sprinted towards the ravine, and launched himself into the air. And wouldn't you know, he made it. The power of reflection. Have you ever gone through your day and something happens which triggers a memory of something that happened in your past? It could be a memory of nostalgia where you miss previous times in your life or even miss people. Or maybe other times situations happen which brings up emotions of sadness, of anger, of frustration. Those times of reflection are actually incredibly important for us. So many things happen in our life and in the moment it feels like it's so dire and so overwhelming. But why reflection is so important is because when we can look on previous situations or previous events in our life, we can see how we handled it. 
I've once heard it said that there's nothing new under the sun. And the reality is there really isn't. All the emotions that we've experienced today, we've experienced those emotions before. We've experienced joy, happiness, sadness, anger, rage. All of those emotions have been experienced by us. And when we currently feel it, sometimes we think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to get over this? And yes, the scenario may be different today, but the emotions that go along with it are the same. It's so important for us to reflect on where we were versus where we are today. And the purpose of the reflection is to self-monitor. So many things may happen in our life as a child, and sometimes the event stunts our growth and causes us not to become the person that we were designed to be. And by no means am I minimizing a person's struggle, but the point of reflection is to see where you were versus where you are today. How far have you come? What has changed in your life? What are those areas where perhaps you didn't realize are still stunted from something that happened when you were younger? One of the main questions I like to ask my guests is, do you ever reflect on where you were versus where you are today? And what have you learned from it? What is the same? What's different? And that would be the question I would ask you as well. When you reflect on where you were, any time in your life really, to who you are today, what has changed? What have you overcome? And when you can look at all those trials and tribulations you experienced before, what you're probably experiencing today may not be as difficult as what you think. I know situations in my own life, I may think about it and think, wow, this is really difficult. But when I look back, I look on incredibly difficult times in my life when I felt like there was no way out, but I overcame it. So when I can use my past to reflect on where I am today, the things I struggle with today really pale in comparison to what I experienced in the past. And that's probably the same thing with you as well. Another way to look at that is, have you grown? Have you developed since you experienced something before? Or unfortunately, has that situation compromised your ability to move forward and you're continually stuck in an endless cycle or an endless loop of repeating the same patterns, maybe in your thought life and your emotions, maybe in the people you date, or even some decisions that you make. So I would really challenge you today to focus on that reflection. Use your past as data to move you through whatever you're struggling with today. That power of reflection allows you to really pat yourself on the back to say, I've really overcome a lot of things in my life and I really like who I am. Or it can also shine a light on perhaps some blind spots you have that you didn't realize that were there. You have an incredible story to tell and there's so much data and so many things you've experienced that you've overcome. Use that data to become the person to overcome what you're experiencing today. Your memoirs, your reflections, anything you encounter today, you've experienced before. But using that reflection, it will give you good insight and tools of how you overcame it before. And now a quick word from my sponsor. Audible.com is offering you, my listener, a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash James Miller Lifeology. Many of you don't know this about me, but I'm an avid reader, so this is a no-brainer for me to go ahead and download any audiobook I'd like to read, specifically if I'm walking my dog at the gym or just even driving. So for you to get your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com forward slash James Miller Lifeology. They have over 180,000 books for you to choose from, so I'm pretty confident you'll find the one you're looking for. So check it out today. Inspirational author Marnie Grunman was a missing child. She didn't just make it through. She rose above the darkness, becoming a beacon of light for others to do the same. Marnie teaches people how to heal, overcome, rise, and reclaim a life of happiness. Welcome to my show, Marnie. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. 
So I'm really interested in hearing this story. Of course, it was obviously traumatic for you, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing how you rose above it and the advice you have for my listeners today. There's a reason that I put that I was a missing child over saying runaway, which was actually what I was. Um, there's a huge stigma attached to children who run away. They're looked at as being rebellious mm-hmm. and and belligerent and and spoiled even. So I the reason my book is actually titled Missing, A True Story of a Childhood Lost, is to sensitize people to the plight of children that are homeless and on the street, which sure. I was one of those children for uh, over three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. And um, what led me there was was child abuse, mostly emotional, but also um, physical and sexual from a very young age. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And um, thank you. I'm a missing child as I was a runaway. At one point during that time, I was living in a sauna in an apartment building. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, that which was one of the nicer places. It, it beat the abandoned buildings, and it certainly beat the the park benches and that sort of thing. But I was alone one night, and I was extremely vulnerable. It was cold out. I didn't know how to work the sauna to make it warm. Oh. And I remember it was a turning point for me that that I just realized that maybe I was just paying up front for a better life later on. Hmm. And it was that mindset, it was that way of now looking at the world that things will always get better and that's what I have to focus on to get through that caused me to survive. Now, how old were you at that time? Um, At that time, I would say I was 13. That's a very powerful revelation to have. I mean, not for anybody, but also to a 13-year-old. Yeah, for sure. And I think what it was, was it's just a survival instinct. Mm -hmm. And um, some people turn it into something positive and some people don't, but I firmly believe everybody can. How old were you when you ran away? Um, I was 13. So I would have been, I I was probably about six months in when I was in the sauna, six, eight months, something like that. Wow. I can't imagine what that would be like for you, for anyone to run away. But at 13, that's such a such a drastic change. And by no means, I'm minimizing why you did it. I'm just saying it's drastic. For oh no, I understand. At 13, to make that decision, I, I can't even imagine the emotions you were experiencing as you left your house. I mean, of course, you were doing it to survive from from the abuse you were experiencing. But how did you come up with that to say, "I'm going today. I'm leaving right this second? It, well, it doesn't really happen that way. Uh, I actually started running away when I was five years old. Oh goodness, okay. Like, day trips. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and at that age, I was trying to find my dad and I was running to something. Mm. And then around the age of 11, 10, 11, I was running away from my mother. And so basically, you know, things got really bad and, and I would leave and I would get found or I would come back because I was hungry or, or whatever the case may be. And when I was 13, I really just snapped. I had spent a year at boarding school. I had spent a year, um, in a very small dorm with dorm parents in a very normal environment. And now I was being told that I wasn't going to be able to go back there and I couldn't go back into the abuse. So I think I just snapped. And um, children of abuse, we have coping mechanisms. I was numb. So there was no, I didn't have money in my pocket. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know where I was going. I just knew where I didn't want to be. And that's what I did and survived day by day. Yeah. Now, you said that you were running to your dad. Were you ever able to have a relationship with your dad or perhaps ever maybe get to live with him? 
Yeah, actually, luckily enough, um, as an adult about eight or nine years ago, I think like time is so bad for me, um, I did reunite with my father and actually gained an entire family as a result. And he passed away a few years later, but we had a really, really close relationship before he passed. And that's wonderful, Marnie. Yeah, very, I mean, that's just, I never thought I would have that with my father. I never thought I'd like ever get to have one conversation, let alone a relationship. So I'm really grateful. What a beautiful gift you were given. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So walk me through this. So you had this epiphany that your life, you're kind of paying it forward as far as the struggle you had to be able to reframe it. So as you got older, you were to live a life of happiness. What happened when, once you had that epiphany in the sauna? What happened after that? I, I think what happened was I, I just kept moving forward. Um, I, I was living like that for quite some time. And then at one point I managed to get a job, believe it or not, as a cocktail waitress. At this point, I was probably 14. Oh, my goodness. I know, how crazy. (laughs) 14, I looked 11. Um, Oh my gosh. In a disco in Miami Beach during the cocaine cowboy era. Like you can't make this up. Oh my Lord. This was like 1980. Mm -hmm. And the fortunate thing about that was... From that point on, I learned how to provide for myself. Mm-hmm. And I had ups and downs and struggles and lived in horrible places and, and that whole nine yards. But at the end of the day, I finally had a roof over my head and, and food that I was providing for myself. And I began to live an adult life. Um, at such a young age. At such a young age. So, of course, I was also missing a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. the things that we take for granted, like school dances and and regular milestones and and and. I, I didn't get a chance to grow up. I was just a grown-up kind of thing. And I think what that mindset did for me was just not to worry about what I didn't have mm. and be happy for what I did have. Yeah. Well, exactly. Going from a place of having nothing, you know, you sometimes even know what you're missing because you didn't experience it. So what well, you do know what you have, and that is now roof over your head, you know, when you're yes. that age and you knew you could actually provide for yourself to eat. And those basic necessities, I mean, that that's one of the most important things any of us can have. Oh, yeah. A bathroom, shower, uh, you know, a change of clothing. I mean, the things that we take for granted and, and I do as well, even though I've been there every single day, sure. right? Yeah. Tell me about some of the people that when you were a cocktail waitress, were they nurturing you were they endeared to you because you you know so being so young and you know seeing so much as a child like I I don't know what they thought about Mm -hmm. me it's interesting that you asked that because I've never actually thought about (laughs) it before um but my bosses weren't really around they owned like 10 clubs in Miami and um it was in a very it was actually in a hotel so it was very transient and I don't really feel like I bonded to anybody necessarily like I didn't hang out with the other people who worked in the bar um, at that point in time so I don't know what they thought hmm. <laughs> I know what I would have thought yeah, of, co- of course like, I know <laughs> as, as a woman I would have looked and gone okay what's wrong with this exactly picture? how can I help what can I do of course but I, but I think everybody was also surviving right mm-hmm. so we all had they always say every Everybody has a story. So who knows what was going on in their worlds? Exactly. Yeah. I do know I was the youngest for sure. I bet. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> so tell me more about that. So after the, when you were a cocktail waitress and what happened next in your life? Um, well, I, I ended up working at a, one of their other bars and I met, it's like one of those movies, you know, I, I, I <laughs> like met a lifetime the, movie. <laughs> it, it really is. And it should be. I, I met the, uh, the country singer. Oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and That's went good. on the road. Oh <laughs> like, really? Oh my gosh. Yeah, like literally I, 
ended up bartending instead of being a cocktail waitress. Advanced wow. my skills. And we went from um, Miami to Daytona to Tampa. In Tampa, it sort of all fell apart. And um, as any relationship would anyway. But um, And then I ended up becoming a traveling salesperson for one of those cleaning chemicals that don't really no. work so well. Are you well. serious? This is so random. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to minimize or trivialize what you went through, no, but no, it's no. just Listen, it's, I was it's very random. Yeah. Here's the good news. I was working. There the bad go. news is these were the type of guys that, that preyed on children mm. who would become, you know, traveling salespeople that they never actually had to pay. So we would go and and we went to West Virginia and Ohio and Louisiana and they would open the van and send us out and we'd go into like car dealerships and things like that selling selling this chemical by demonstrating like drawing on our jeans and cleaning it off and I no doubt people bought it from me because they felt sorry for me. Wow. And then a few weeks in, we're supposed to get paid. We don't get paid. And when we got to Louisiana, I realized I I need to get out of this. Even though I had a roof over my head and food, um, we were five or six kids all around the same age, all the same circumstances in life. So I threw away the samples and applied for a job and ended up working at a shoe store in Louisiana and then a a pinball arcade subsequently when I got fired Mm. from there. (laughs) <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, especially, you know, years later, be able to laugh about it or to experience it and, yeah. and and have some of that distance of, wow, that was actually my life. And in such a powerful way, when you reframe it, as far as all that adversity you went through, makes this incredible woman I'm speaking with today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I, I think also... I, having three children and raising them, you know, there's different ways that we can fill our cup when, when bad things happen. And so I was fortunate. I have three adult children and, and they filled my cup. Like I've had normalcy in my life since that period of time. And I appreciate it. So do you ever reflect on that as far as the normalcy today versus the, the chaos as a child? Um, in different ways. I mean, before I wrote before I wrote my book, I think I I reflected on it more yeah, sure. in in a wounded way, um, because the book really healed me a lot. Just sitting, even if you're not a writer, if you sit and you write about your experiences, it really helps you sort them out and work through them, right? But I used to look back at it in a in a very sad way, like it was difficult to make peace with the fact that I didn't get to graduate high school the same way other. Mm-hmm. people did. I took my GED or I didn't get to, you know, have just those simple, innocent times and do things in that way, you know, where you're standing up with a cap and gown and then you go to college. And, and I had a lot of, I had a difficult time working through that and, and dealing with the loss of that because Mm -hmm. it's it's like a bunch of deaths really. And that's how I used to look back at it. And now I look back at it and I think, well, I'm the strongest person I know. And I think that's (laughs) a great thing. Yeah, exactly. Did you find that, you know, to be exposed to so many things as a young child and then as you, once your life became much more normal, if you will, did you find that you were always waiting for the other shoe to drop or for some type of chaos to come in your life? 
No, but what I did realize is that I was, uh, the reason I wasn't waiting for it was because if I felt like it was coming on, I ran away uh, because my coping me mechanism is to be a runaway, mm -hmm. whether it's emotionally by just shutting down or physically, you know, moving yeah, yet really. again. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it took me actually, I'm 50. It was, I think I was 48 when I finally realized that's what I've been doing mm -hmm. most of my life. Well, good for you for having that realization. Sometimes people, the rest of their life, they never even realize it, but good for you for having that epiphany and being able to confront it head on. Yeah, thank you. Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> what do you think is one of the main reasons why maybe kids stay on the street? Well, because, partly because they have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. um, partly because they don't know how to get anywhere else. I fell into a job. I, I was one of the lucky ones. Um, but that doesn't happen for all those kids. And so sure. some of them end up either panhandling or unfortunately they end up one in every five runaways um, is a victim of some sort of sex trafficking. Oh, gosh. Um, huge statistic. And that's um, as of 2015, according to the National Center for Missing and exploited children, up from one in six in 2014. Oh, my gosh. So wow. the, these children are, a lot of it is luck, you know? A lot of it is luck. For me, also, I didn't fall into drugs or alcohol. So had oh, I done wow. that, sure. had I done that, I may not be here today talking to you. Sure, that, that whole other piece of the addiction, it really clouds people's judgment as far as, is this an okay situation for me or am I okay right now? Because exactly. Because I really crave that, that, that substance, they'll pretty much do anything for it. It doesn't matter if you're a child or not. People, anybody can for do For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one, you're feeding the addiction and two, like you said, you don't have that judgment. For me, I didn't end up um, getting involved in substances because I watched um, my mother and I watched my brothers dealing drugs from each mm. other. Oh, my, not like uh, not like cocaine or anything, but still, sure. I, I well, watched sure. it around me and I and I saw how out of control they were. And I had a great great fear of being out of control. So fear drove me in the midst of them. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and in that way as well. I mean, that's what that's what protected you. Absolutely. Without, without question. It, it absolutely protected me. So a little luck, a, l a little common sense, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you're Which definitely you don't think fortunate. kids have, but apparently they do. Yeah, Sorry. Definitely. <laughs> they certainly do. What advice do you give for, for parents or even for kids if they're struggling in their life? What would you, what would you tell them? several things. First of all, I, I would tell children what I tell my children and, and that's this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing so major in terms of the little things in life, you know, the high school, when somebody says something bad to you and that sort of thing, that, that those things aren't important. Uh, what I would say to parents is that they need to speak to their children and they need to respect that they they are people. They aren't property. And that respect is a two-way street and that it's never too late to get help for your family. You know, if you know that your, your child is falling apart, it, 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 there's no shame in, in taking responsibility for that and saying, you know what, I'm not doing things the right way here. Nobody is going to ever punish you for that. But when your child goes missing, you you may never see them again. You know, you have to really think about what you're doing because I think sometimes parents trying to gain control lose control. Certainly. Well, I think you bring up a really good point as far as just that level of respect. You know, we want our children to respect us, but in 
the reciprocal of that is we need to, to respect them ourselves. You know, in that understanding, just like you said, being a good role model that you may not know what you're doing, but that's okay to admit that. But that gives, that teaches a child that, wow, my parents are fallible, if you will, but yeah. they're doing something to fix it. And so that means if I mess up, there is an answer for it. There's a way that we can work on it as a team because just because our intention is to help our child doesn't mean that our demonstration of that is helpful. It can be something that's very detrimental. And then, of course, you have people on the opposite side who actually go towards abuse. But, you know, you have those, those normal parents you just don't know how to parent. And there, that's why it's so important to say, I need help. Yeah, absolutely. I need help. Pick your battles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, really pick your battles and, and positive reinforcement. The more you catch somebody doing something good, the more they want to do something good. Exactly. That, that, that translates not just parent-wise, right? Mm-hmm. What I always tell my, my parents when I'm, when I'm counseling them is essentially when you set a limit or set a boundary with your child or just anybody at all, you, there's no emotion that's, that's involved in that at all. Because if you're very angry with them, that's all they're going to hear. But when you set right. a limit where there's no emotion, then the, the other person makes a decision if they're going to get in trouble or not based on their choice. But when they do something great, you praise them and show them all that emotion. And that's what people crave. I don't care how healthy you are. You like to feel important. You like to feel when people praise you. And so the more you praise someone when they do well, that positive reinforcement then enforces the new behavior. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, reasoning with children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, is, there is such a thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Even, you know, I, I can remember, I, I have grandchildren. I remember my grandson one time was having this major meltdown in a restaurant, like a major. Mm-hmm. And I just took him outside and I said, listen, I didn't tell him to stop having the meltdown. Mm-hmm. I said, just let me know when we're done because I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> and it totally confused him. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, you know, I didn't take away his right to act out. I just took him into a situation once he felt like he had that control. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to act out. Yeah, exactly. You have to be creative. <laughs> you certainly do. And I found that some of those kids, when you reason with them, they are incredible little lawyers. I mean, they could they can oh, reason yeah. in such a way. And so for me, I, I love hearing those things because I think it's such such a wonderful gift in their personality styles to be able to, to, to have those conversations and to really see their viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like you said earlier, everybody likes to feel and important and validated and it doesn't matter how old you are you know babies make eye contact with you and and kind of have that little flirty kind of thing to get that validation and affection right it's we're born with it yeah we certainly are so now when you wrote your book how did you think that people would would receive it I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tough one. I know when you, when you, especially since it's your own life, but you never know. I mean, it's that, that fear at first of like, oh my gosh, you know, how's this going to sound? But from what I've read in the reviews, it sounds like you did an amazing job. Thank you. Well, first of all, I was completely honest. So there was, and transparent. So there was nothing hidden and it wasn't an easy thing. There were experiences in there that were phenomenally difficult to write about. And even though as an adult, I realized they weren't my fault, there's still kind of that sense of embarrassment. And so I was first concerned about being judged, just like I guess anybody else would be. And then like, you know, when you hit that send button or whatever, oh my God, people are reading it now. And, and, and then I thought, no, it's out there. It's done. I feel good about what I put down on the pages and immediately people that were reading my, my story, um, they connected to me on, for all different reasons. Um, and 
none of them put the book down before finishing it, which was also interesting. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, I mean, first time book, first time author. Yeah. That's, that, that's the dream that you want to hear mm-hmm. is that you've engaged your audience and that they felt where you were. And, and, and so it's been a positive experience all the way through. And it's taught me that no matter um, what your goal is in life, don't be afraid, you know, take chances. So what if it, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. I try something else, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. And that's, I think, one time where one of the many things that people struggle with is that fear of starting something. It's just, what if I fail? What if I fail? Well, we all have failed at something and we're totally fine with it. We often don't realize that we have so much data in our past, which lets us know that what we're experiencing is nothing new. The situation may be new, but the experience or the emotions, that's not new at all. And we've overcome it and we've been fine. So we can use that personal data. It gives us the encouragement to say, I was totally fine. That worst case scenario of not doing well didn't come to pass like I thought it would. So therefore, I can do this new thing as well. Yeah, because actually the worst case scenario is doing nothing at all. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's wonderful. Well, Marnie, if my listeners would like to find out more information about you, where would they find your information online? They could go to MarnieGrunman.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E-G-R-U-N-D-M-A-N. And um, they can also find me on Twitter under the same name or Facebook as well. Um, But the best place to go is to the website because then they can find all the links they need to find and they can read some of my blogs and and also reach out to me. Excellent. Well, Marnie, thank you so much for being an inspirational guest on my show today. Thank you for having me. I also want to thank you, the listener, for joining with me today. Please subscribe to this podcast through whichever podcast portal you joined with me. If you're using iTunes and you like what you hear, please rate this podcast as well as leave your comments on the iTunes podcast page. Also, please visit my website where you may see all my YouTube episodes and published articles I've written for you. You may also enroll in the Lifeology Academy I created where you can take self-directed courses which are designed for successful people just like you. You may find all this information at jamesmillerlifeology.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode today. Have a fantastic week, and I look forward to talking to you very soon.